Koite Arapuru Sounds E ngā reo, e ngā mana, raurangatirama, tēnā koutou katoa. You're listening to part two of Roger Fox, A Life in Jazz, for Sounds, Centre for New Zealand Music, toi te arapuoru, ko Nick Tipping, aho. You've been running a big band now for 48 years, we're in yeah. 2021, which is... In- is that about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Involved a huge... Very, very right. Yes, right. <laughs> it's, yeah. that's, that's a huge amount of energy and commitment mm. on your part. What keeps you going? Oh, have you, have you ever thought of packing it in? No. Nah. Why not? Well, see, I've got, this, I've got this thing is... The worst thing to say to me is no or can't. <laughs> Just, it's not, a, not words I understand. You can't do that. What? Of course I can. <laughs> yeah, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah, as we get on the plane, go to Montreux Jazz Fest in 1980. You know, so it's that sort of thing. And it's not bloody mindless. Uh, it's just, you know, I still enjoy what I'm doing. I, I enjoy playing. I enjoy, I still, you know, I really enjoy playing. Not that I do a lot of it, and half the time most people don't even realise I do it. But, I mean, I, I played a gig last year at the Wellington Jazz Festival with Ben Wilcock and... John Ray and Yeepsley on bass. And, Dan, and Daniel Yeepsley. Dan, Daniel, yeah, Yeepsley. And it was just that meow. And all I got was, give us 10 tunes. So I just sent 10 tunes, no charts, and arrived. And then all I, all I heard was Ben Woodcock start the introduction to the first tune, <laughs> or whatever it was, you know. And it was, hell, man, it was fantastic. It was fun. You know, so I, I, I probably, you know, I'm not in a situation where I get, well, actually, I don't even get asked to do those gigs most of the time. And about the only one in Wellington who still asks me is Greg Crayford with his... Um, yep. At the Realm. At the Realm, where I can just come over and play some shit and play some standards and I don't have to think about anything. You know, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not trying to... Re- I don't have to go to emergency rehearsals and yeah, try yeah. and get the music up. I just, you know, I, I enjoy that. I mean, I, I really enjoy that side of it. thing about my band is it's, it was never set up to be a band that had to be able to sight read instantly on the spot. I mean, we've always got the music ahead of time. We rehearse every week. I mean, I've had that once a week rehearsal for the last 48 years, <laughs> you know. I think I've been to most of them, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the good thing now with the uh, school... Um, the level at the school has just got better and better and better and better over the last year, you know, 10 years or so. I'll probably get in the trouble with that. So. <laughs> hey, People, I was there 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got, it was really good 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I remember that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, the level like students are coming into the program is higher because of what's happening around the schools. 
last count I, I had was about two years old now. There's 124 big bands in the school system. <laughs> There's 44 in Auckland. That's huge. So now you must be able to find the odd good student out of that lot who come to a university. So the level is just higher, and then once they come out, they're higher. And for a lot of the younger players, I mean, my band is the band most of them want to try, if they're in Wellington, is the one they want to have a crack at getting on. And I use the more senior students at the school, third, fourth-year students as subs on the band for rehearsals. And that just gives them another experience. All of a sudden, you know, if you're a saxophone player on the band at the moment and sub and all of a sudden you've got Bryn, Van Vliet playing lead alto. I mean, you, you you're getting you're getting your ass kicked seriously hard, <laughs> yeah. you know, or yeah. you know, or Lance or whatever playing drums or whatever, you know. Yeah. Christopher playing lead trombone. Uh, yeah. It's I mean that's just that starting of that whole process of hey, you know, yeah. this is this is where it's at. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then for us, the senior players on the band, sort of like is when we get the international player, and that's the that's yeah. that's the kick for us. You mentioned just now you've basically done it without much government funding, and you've been quite vocal about that at various oh. times. Well, uh, it just disappoints me with the energy that so many people put into it. You know, now you know I get a lot of kudos out of having the band, and the, you know, it's the Roger Fox band, and he's done this, and I've done, I've meant to do this. But I mean, you know, I've always been mindful that. Yeah, there's 18, 20 other people always on the band. Actually, I haven't counted up for a while, but there must be 300 or so musicians come through the band over 48 years. But without them actually being committed to it and putting the time in and um, energy into it as well, I mean, it just doesn't doesn't mm. progress, you know. But it would be a hell of a lot easier to progress if you had funding, you know, yeah. And we, and we get no funding sort of in the, you know, same sort of breath as the symphony orchestra and the ballet company and the opera company and the th- four regional orchestras. Now, being from the background I had, I think we need a symphony orchestra and, and we need a ballet company. And, and and quite frankly, the regional orchestras do a hell of a good job. If not, I mean, you know, I mean, that, half the time they're drawing bigger crowds than the symphony orchestra. Uh, which is great because it's just opening the whole thing out. I mean, the good thing with the re- symphony orchestras, they can go and play in Napier and Palmerston North and New Plymouth and Hamilton, all the places that don't have a regional orchestra. But, man, if you had half that money available to the jazz side of things, um, not just what I do, there'd be a hell of a lot more could be done. And, and I think it should be given the same kudos. And, I mean, I think that's the thing that really hacks me off is that... It's just not given. I mean, you look at the school system now, and there's more jazz in schools than there's anything else. There's only about 50 orchestras in the school system, and there's 124 big bands. Well, hang on. So how, how come 50 get all the money and the 124 get no money? You know, it doesn't equate. Or, or, all I've ever asked for is that it's it's sort of equal in some way. You know, there, there is an equality to the funding. How can we get there? <laughs> well, I guess if we knew that, yeah, yeah. Well, if we know, I wouldn't have this conversation <laughs> with you, man. But uh, um, well, well, you know, I've been for for several years now, been um, pushing um, the formation of a New Zealand jazz orchestra, and I mean, we've been on that for about six, seven, probably seven years now. I mean, it's a full charitable trust. There's a board. 
12 people might knock is one of the, um, you know... Um, patrons. Patrons. Sir John Trimmer is one of the patrons because uh, he's, he's always um, enjoyed what I do and comes to concerts and stuff, and he just wanted to support it. But, man, I've just about worn out the shoes <laughs> going to the meetings. Now, you know, different ones who are on their board, John Ray, different ones have come to those meetings, other people with me. Had, you know, before the last election, we had them with every government arts person. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. Mm. And then you get the stock standard. Oh, well, you you haven't got a track record. <laughs> I said, well, the track record is me. That That's how the whole thing's been put together. 48 years of track record is me. Well, I've done with my band, which then morphs into this. Now, it's not my band becoming that. It's... It's using what I've done with 48 years of knowledge becomes that with a structure built around it for auditioning players and management and all that type of stuff. But, you know, and then you sort of get, oh, well, you know, we can give you 65000 Maybe that's the start. I said, what, what am I going to do with 65000 You're lucky to put one console on for 65000 You know, if you have to get music written and hire the town hall and the opera house and God, you've got to be off your mind. And then when you sort of see the money which is handed out to, you know, this, the other organisations I've mentioned, you know, like millions, twenties of millions <laughs> going to some of the organisations. And really all we need is 1.5, which is less than half the most of the re- regional orchestras get. So th- that would give us a full-time New Zealand jazz orchestra, which would also get everybody who's studying music Somewhere, that, I mean, if you scratch on a violin or play a flute, I, well, I shouldn't say scratch on a violin, it's probably speed a bit derogatory, isn't it? Yeah, scratch on a violin, bugger <laughs> it. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, you know, if, you, if you're at one of the universities studying classical music, there is a pathway. You, you, you've got a pathway to audition for the, for the regional orchestras and there may be the symphony orchestra if they don't take overseas people. Uh, but there's no pathway of that nature for the jazz students, equally who are playing at the same level, technically on their instruments. I mean, it's a joke when you sort of see somewhere like Germany who's got two full-time big bands, WDR and the HR band. We have a symphony orchestra and four regional and a ballet company, orchestra company, and we can't find enough money for one New Zealand jazz orchestra. You've got to be off your mind. There's something about jazz, do you think? Oh, yeah. I, the, the problem is that, uh, like, I've joked about it before, but, uh, but I probably wasn't joking. But it, it, what, what I need to do is find the person who, at a given time, decided to make classical music elitist. <laughs> what was the thinking process of that person? How do they come up with somewhere 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, 50 years ago, whenever it was, and they say, oh, well, right, now, really, we're just a covers band. We're playing the same thing over and over. Beethoven's Fifth is Beethoven's Fifth. Right? Ain't any different than when it was written to when it's played now. How are we going to keep all that going? 
oh, we'll make it elitist. So people think it's, you know, the, what, what's happened is we haven't, nobody in the jazz world has actually found out how to do that yet. Mainly because mainly we're probably too individual. The jazz artists are probably too individual. You know, what I need is one of my musicologist friends from the university to actually track all that through and find out where it happened and how it happened and then just apply it to our music. <laughs> make the jazz thing elitist and all of a sudden I could just see the money just sort of like we'd be, you know, <laughs> I could, we, could have, we could have a South Island and North Island jazz orchestra, you know, it'll be like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's nuts. Yeah. But it, it's probably sounding a bit flippant, but it's a serious thing that you can have all this other music in the arts and one other thing which has actually got more things happening in the education system is getting nothing the sport students mm -hmm. who are coming through it. It's just nuts. That's the other part I wanted to ask you about was jazz education. Mm -hmm. You're probably the biggest figure in New Zealand jazz education. Oh. Oh. Can I have yes. that in writing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll write it out for you after this. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, how, did, how did the rocker with the trombone get involved teaching young people jazz? Well, it really just came out of of seeing what was happening in the States. So, um, you know, I mean, our only real um, link was the Downbeat magazine. So you'd buy the Downbeat magazine. You just take about three months to get here, you know. So you can see it coming over the waves, you know. <laughs> But there was there was all the um, articles on sort of like the Stan Kenton workshops and Woody Herman workshops and all that. All the bands were doing things like where they'd go into a school and a lot of their um, performance stuff was in on campuses, sort of seventies, early eighties, and uh, where they'd go in and they'd do like a workshop in the afternoon and then play concert at night. Uh, so I started doing that when well, I think the first one I did of those was at Tauranga. Uh, it must have been about 1977 or 8, something like that. It was about a couple of years. Martin Winch was on the band, so yeah, it had been 77 or 78. And it's something we did at Tauranga. I was playing Tauranga, and then we just did the same thing. Well, they had the competition, and I had really no idea what the hell I was doing other than I'd read a bit about how they used to present it, and all I did was I got a chart, and I made I, I rehearsed the band on a new chart. And basically all the things I was talking about, trying to get the saxophones to play like this and how what the rhythm section and this and that and you know bong, you know, the drum fill and um and all that sort of thing. And then just got players on the band to talk about what they were doing. Uh you know, what was the drum fill? I mean you know, how did you go, you know, when the note was on this part of the beat and you played a drum fill, what did you what were you thinking about to mm. try and play that that type of So I just started from there. Mm. And then I got involved with uh the uh, Jamie Abersole workshops, a group of us, uh, Jeff Colverwell and I went to the Melbourne version of it. Colin Hemmingson went to the Sydney version of it because they did a week in both cities. And then came back and uh, we just got talking and we'd found out that they were going to go through to Australia the following year. So I got with Colin and I said, man, we've got to get this organised. So the reason the Jazz Foundation never got formed was we needed a mechanism to be able to f get funding from... Queen Elizabeth Arts Council. Mm -hmm. So that's why the New Zealand Jazz Foundation started. So basically 
we managed to get that up. We got we, there was a bit of a committee of different people in Wellington, and then the Jamie Abersall people arrived t- twice. Yeah, you know, and that was all people like Schofield and you name it, all those people, Dave Liebman and David Baker and Jerry Coke and all that. So it was all that, and it just sort of went from there. So yeah, and it just seemed to me that the only way we were going to get uh, anything to do with jazz in the schools is we got to, we had to keep it, put it in front of people and then inspire people to be part of it. And then, you know, then the Wellington Polytechnic started and I was involved with the very early one of that. I mean, before Colin and that took over, I was doing two tutorials a week and it was like a, a jazz thing. I had Christopher Norton was playing piano and, you know, it was all, you know, <laughs> and it was like, you know, I'd have an oboe and a cello and a rhythm section, a half a trombone, you know. <laughs> And that was the jazz. That was the jazz class for the, you know, for the Wellington Polytechnic Conservatory of Music. And then Colin had come back from Hemingson, had come back from uh, um, being at Berkeley, and he was able to get in there. And they sort of started the bigger program, and it sort of just went from there. A lot of the the teaching and the influence you've had seems to be in the sort of the large festivals and mm. that sort of thing, and the mm. high school bands, which. To me, suggests it's for you. It's as much about participation as anything. Oh else. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you don't have the numbers, you don't you don't get. The, I mean, you just don't get the visibility for it. So, you know, the fact that there's forty four big bands in Auckland, you know, and the good thing about it, there's about fifteen of those bands are actually directed by players who used to play my band in Auckland. So you got people like Cameron Allen and Lewis McCallum and, you know, Dave Evanson and Paul Norman and it just goes on and on. There's all these people. Tim Atkinson and all that I mean, they all came through my band at some stage. Godfrey DeGroote's teaching at, you know, the contemporary music program at at, at Auckland University. Yeah, so I mean, the more you can inspire people to go out there and then people come through the school and they go back into the or through the university they get back they go back into the high school system all of a sudden there's somebody in the high school system who knows what jazz is, is meant to be about it just elevates it again so the whole thing just keeps going around and around your own education came on the job as as we've talked about but you have been involved in university music for quite a while yeah. is it possible to teach jazz in university well, I think you can teach anybody the tools. You know, I, uh, I'm, I've never been a fan of the teach by number method. So, because uh, <laughs> I was never taught that way myself, and 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 everybody I know who, who played at a real high level hadn't really had that education. You know, they, they'd learned it on the job and by practicing and getting kicked by somebody else. Uh, but but I yeah I think there's a role for the music department like the jazz music department just the same as it is for classical music department, but maybe I think that's probably why I've been there as long because I I'm, you know I can bring a more of a real world purpose to it. I mean I run the school big bands like I run my own band. I mean that's well known and, and amongst the. Well, I think it's well known. They, they let me do it, but uh, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like on-the-job training, really. Yeah, isn't it? because I mean, quite frankly, you know, uh, they got on. You know, if you if you're sending students up to leave university, they got to understand what they're getting into. You know, and that's sort of one of my standard stock things at the school. It's like you know, first rehearsal. It's like, well, I can I can either treat your students or I can teach you as young musicians. Which one is it? <laughs> 
If it's young musicians, you're going to be treated like I treat my own pl the players on my own band. And these are the parameters, you know. So there's a commitment to it. And you've got to be more professional. You're not just sort of shambling and, oh, I feel a bit sick today, I won't come into the rehearsal. You, you know, I don't want to hear that because that's not how our gig is. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> now with the COVID thing, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but even that's, I think even that, quite frankly, has been stretched a wee bit, yeah. uh, you know, but... Um, Again, it's got that ring of that sort of mentorship, apprenticeship yeah, well, kind of system. I, yeah, well, I was sort of brought up right, you know, as I say, my father had that particularly, you know, he, he, he had that, and I grew up with that sort of, you know... Um, encouraging people to play, mm. mentoring them to play, not the big stick method, you know. Do you wish you'd had the opportunity to go to jazz school? Mm. Would you Would you go if you had the opportunity? Now? Well, not now, but oh, if, if you... Well, well, I actually looked at going to Berkeley. Uh, I looked at going to Berkeley because I did the Berkeley correspondence course, the arranging course. It used to be a nightmare. I mean, this was like mid-70s. So everything was by mail. <laughs> So it was like 24 lessons, and you could only send one lesson at a time. So you'd write it out, do it all, and then mail it. And how long? And then they'd have <laughs> to mail day. it back. And then, so you couldn't move on to the next lesson, because if you'd have cocked up all the things and the ones <laughs> you'd have sent, you needed to know, because that what you're going to do in lesson two related to lesson one. It was like, you know, it was, it was like my whole life. <laughs> so to get to this, you know, sort of... And I looked at going, but the year I looked at, I was in the throes of sort of looking at auditioning was the first Montreux trip, mm. 1980. So that was... You had some other stuff going on? Yeah, I had other stuff, you know, that sort of thing. And then um, through Gordon Brisker, uh, the saxophone player, American saxophone player, uh, he, he had put my name forward to the Woody Herman Big Band and he'd given, they'd given them... now. Basically, that, the way that was had to work was you had to go for two weeks and you basically played, and then you were like either in or out. But it was right at the time as I was doing something else. It was like, oh, God, I'm just, you know. And I just looked at it. Every time I had something like that offered, it was like, well, if I do that, this isn't happening, and then all these punters don't get the opportunity. And really, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So... I got my inroad into being on those bands by having players here who played on them. So, you know, I had all... You know, That's had, your education. Yeah. been more than 50 years since you made that switch from a classical track to rock and then jazz. Yeah. You got any career highlights? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because if I say one, it'll relate to something else. But, I, but, but if I think if I had to pick two artists, it would be Michael Brecker and Steve Gadd. Now, that doesn't diminish any of the other hundreds of other punters I've had here. 
But Michael Brecker, when I had him here, and he was only, you know, when he left when he left this tour, he was only alive for another two years, but he was the greatest saxophone player alive at that time. He was jazz sax, tenor saxophone. And we had him in New Zealand playing eight concerts with the Rogers Brooks Big Band. <laughs> and I, I have wound up a few of my classical friends uh, with the Symphony Orchestra. I said, well, when I see you guys have Yo-Yo Ma or Isaac Perlman or Isaac Stern as a guest with us with the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra, which you've never ever had. <laughs> I have had the number one jazz saxophone <laughs> player in the world. I said, other than digging up Charlie Parker or John Coltrane, he was the number one jazz saxophone player at that stage in in the world. And he was in New Zealand playing. Yeah. And then I think having Steve Gadd was just... I'd grown up so much with all his music, what he had played, all the music we had played in the 1860 band and Quincy's and early big band, all the, all the bands he played for, just to have him here. And he was such a gracious man. And uh, just arrived, played, no contract. It was all just done over the phone. He didn't want a contract. He said, his view was if he needed the contract, he didn't know me. <laughs> and to this day, I had Steve Gadd sitting here playing four concerts and three workshops, and all there is is an email. Well, I actually didn't get an email. He he rang me at about three in the frickin' morning because he was in Scandinavia and he had no idea about the, about the time <laughs> and said, yep. Yeah, so on. Oh, well, hang on, I can't, can't, uh, can't talk. Uh, blah blah blah. Gone. Was and I, I went back to sleep. Sort of then, sort of basically woke up in bed. Bang! <laughs> Shit! Did Steve Gadd just? <laughs> did he just confirm he was coming? <laughs> you know. So I, I emailed his wife because he doesn't do email. Is <laughs> you know he does everything on phone, and uh, so I emailed his wife. <laughs> And I got this email back from his wife, who's a nice lady, and uh, and it was like, what are you talking about? He told you. He told you he was coming. He's confirmed. Yes, it's on. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I'm just checking, you know, like it was three o'clock in the morning and I am you know, I wasn't sure if I was hearing right, you know. <laughs> and that was it. That was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And no money, no deposit, no nothing, and I sent her the money after that he'd got home. That yeah, was it. Really? Didn't. Just didn't even occur to him. <laughs> didn't even occur to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so if I was going to tailor it down to, to two people, I, I think that's the two biggest things. But I mean, there's been so many highlights, you know, just when the band's been playing by itself and the tours and all that. But yeah, yeah I think that they're the two. Yep. Yeah, Michael Brecker was something else. That was insanity. <laughs> Plus, every concert. Yeah, like, God. I mean, some some people sort of said, "Oh, you know, what is your legacy?" And I, uh, well, what do you think your legacy is going to be? And I said, "Well, I never actually thought of a legacy." <laughs> Maybe the New Zealand Jazz Orchestra is the next thing. But it's funny. I, I was watching um, a program um, on Prince Philip, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and he was being shown around a big estate, and he was talking. And it was great. Man, he was slick at the end. Because I met him when I played the Royal Variety here in Auckland. And he was really quite a character. But the interviewer asked him, oh, what do you think your legacy is? And he said, well, he said, it's really up to other people to come up with my legacy when I go. 
And he said, if I was worried about what my legacy was, I'd never have got anything done. <laughs> so, in which I must say, I, I thought about it, I thought, man, he's right, you know. And and I've never really thought about anything like that. I've just got on and done shit. It's like, man, I, I need to get somebody out. Okay, it has to be in August. Okay, send a few emails. Let's get on with it, you know. Yeah. What's your hope for the scene here in the next 10, 20 years? Uh, well, I mean, the scene's just got better and better. Uh, I, as I say, I think more on a, on a commercial level, I think there needs to be a more constructed scene, you know, like I had with the brewery circuit when I was on bands in the 70s, you know. Now, how they do that? Well, I do know how they do it. They just need to spend the money. So things like the Music Commission and all those people... That's, that's where a lot of that money needs to be going, I, th- I personally think. But uh, but on the jazz front, yeah, the problem is I haven't found anybody sh- as stupid as I was. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, and and that, quite frankly, that that's the reason I'm really, um, you know, being as proactive I can with the New Zealand Jazz Orchestra component. Because I, I can see if I actually leave here today and get hit by the bus, it, then nothing will happen. I mean, I've joked about it before, but, I mean, it's like if I know what I know now after 48 years, I probably wouldn't have got past one year. <laughs> you, know, you know, sort of thing. But knowing my, knowing my mindset, I probably would have. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just can't... I, it, it's just a whole different time now. I mean, I everything for me was right place, right time. It was like classical career, rock band. Rock band which played the music we were listening to. It was on the radio. 1860 band, all the same music everybody heard on the radio. We played six nights a week. It's just sort of everything was the right place, right time for me. Now, I don't, I don't know if you can actually – younger players now – and, I, you know, I'm encouraging as many as them can. I think it's good that there's a lot of more big bands around. Only things I'd like to see is that the, all the big bands don't use the same players. Because mm. I go to a, I go and see the big bands in Wellington and I sort of look at my rehearsal from last night. <laughs> and all these players were on my band before any of these other bands started. So whereas I, I had to, because I wasn't using the older players, I was using younger players, it was like I was creating the scene. And you know, along with myself, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I'd like to see some of the bands do. To, you know, if they're going to do it, rehearse and get get fringe players, not all the so-called top 20 players, maybe use a few of them mm. and then create. And then all of a sudden we've got 80 players in town playing the music, not 20. Yeah. I see that. But it's hard. I, I, I mean, it may sound arrogant, but I... I I can't see anybody being able to do what I've done. You know, if I could wake up forty eight years time, find out that somebody's done it, it'd be bloody fantastic. But I just can't see it happening. It's just a different scene now than it was, and it's more the commitment you have to put into it. Do you want to give up your life? Mm. Have have five, you know, four hundred marriages, lose four houses, you know, all that type of thing. You know, I mean, there's been a toll on that. I mean, you know, I'm mindful of that, but but if you want it, that's unfortunately that's what you have to maybe you got to go through. But 
I think for the legacy of the music to keep the actual whole jazz thing going in, is, is the New Zealand Jazz Orchestra. Mm. Because that way some of the younger folk can be, or younger musicians can become band directors and assistant band directors and arrangers and all that for the band. I, can, I mean, I can see that how that's how it can keep going. It'll create that create its own ecosystem. Yeah, right, yeah, it? and I mean that's why I mean you know yeah it must be seven years ago we started on the journey with this, you know, and uh, as I told one, well he's the finance minister now actually, but uh, <laughs> when I had the meeting with him I said well hang on, you know, I can't wait forever, man. This podcast was presented by Sounds Centre for New Zealand Music, Toi Te Arapuoru, presented by me, Nick Tipping, with Phil Brownlee on sound. To learn more about Roger Fox and for more information, go to the Sounds Podcast website, sounds, that's S-O-U-N-Z, dot org, dot N-Z. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Toi Te Arapuoru. Sounds.